Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Akosia Ofewa Opoku. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. Mr. Speaker, we are managing the finances of the country with discipline and competence. Our interest rates are lower than they were in 2016. Our exchange rate is more stable than it was in 2016. And we did not have to lay off any workers, nor cancel teacher and nursing training allowances. This is because we have managed the economy much better than it was managed up to 2016. Finance Minister Ken Ofuriata delivers mid-year budget review, but makes no demands for increases in taxes or more expenditure. We'll be hearing more from him. The minority, though, has some concerns. Caution to this mid-year review is don't get excited. Look, it's a, it's, a, it's a big gimmick, basically, because they know, obviously, if they come and tell you that no taxes, you're going to get excited. If they tell you that no more, we're not going to carry any more money, you get excited. Also coming up, trouble for Chief Justice's accuser, Kwesia Frifa, after disciplinary committee of the General Legal Council slaps him with some nine counts of misconduct and pro unprofessionalism. That you, in response to a complaint brought against you by your former client, Ojidom Kwesi Atadesef, made a reckless statement imputing judicial manipulation by the Chief Justice of the Republic of Ghana thereby diminishing public confidence in the administration of justice. You are therefore charged with misconduct in a professional respect. Con we have more on what happened and the issue that has actually led to the Chief Justice having been uh, referred for possible impeachment by a group to the President. And later on Eyewitness News. We, the CCG, therefore call on all Ghanaians to throw their weight behind the promotion of proper human sexual rights and Ghanaian Family Values Bill 2021. We are calling on Ghanaians to support the process through prayers and any other means that may be required. Let us protect the good family system that we may have inherited from our forebears. The Christian Council of Ghana has spoken on the LGBTQI plus draft bill. It's actually throwing its weight behind that bill, which is said it was part of the drafting process. We'll be hearing more on what exactly the position of the Christian Council is. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business, which will be coming up in 50 minutes, the City Business Desk we're bringing us details of what's happening in the world of business. Eyewitness News is broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. The show is interactive. You can join us on WhatsApp. It's 0549-986-996. Send us tweets, hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. And the world gets to hear what you think. Let's settle for details of our stories. Akosia has the first one. The government did not request for additional funds to supplement the 2021 budget. 
Speaking during the Mid-Year Budget Review presentation in Parliament today, the Finance Minister Ken Oforiata said government expenditure would still be within the 2021 appropriation. According to Mr. Oforiata, although the impact of COVID-19 has been dire, with resultant high debt levels, the country's inflation rate is currently lower than it was in 2016. He also mentioned that the city maintained its stability even during the pandemic year. Financial Supply Service reports the overall GDP growth for first quarter 2021 was 3.1%. The growth was even better, excluding oil at 4.6%. The Bank of Ghana Composite Index of Economic Activity attested a strong growth recovery with the index growing at 33.1% at the end of May 2021 compared to a contraction of 10.23% at the end of May 2020. Mr. Speaker, on inflation, we are witnessing one of the lowest numbers on record in about two years. Inflation, which at the height of the pandemic, hovered around 11.8%, dropped to 7.5% in May 2021, before inching up slightly to 7.8% in June. The Bank of Ghana will continue to implement appropriate monetary policy to maintain inflation rate within the target of 8 plus or minus 2%. The city has been relatively stable in the past four years and maintained its stability even in this pandemic year. For the first time, for the first time in the Fourth Republic, the exchange rate did not see a spike after an election year. Cumulatively, from the beginning of the year to date, the exchange rate has depreciated by 0.6% against the US dollar and appreciating by 3.6% against the euro. This stability is expected to continue as we move towards the close of the year. The relatively strong performance of the standard sector led to an increase in the reserves position to 11 billion US dollars equivalent to five months of imports, one of the highest on record. This compares well of a reserve position of, of 9.2 billion, equivalent to 4.3 months imports cover in the corresponding period last year. Mr. Speaker, we are managing the finances of the country with discipline and competence. The fiscal operations for the period January to June 2021 indicate that the overall deficit was 22.32 billion Ghana cities, equivalent to 5.1% of GDP. The corresponding primary balance for the period was a deficit of 7.3 billion cities, equivalent to 1.7% of GDP, against a target of 4.8 billion Ghana cities, or 1.1% of GDP. He also indicated that the economy had been managed better than it was in 2016, further opining that the finances of the country had been competently managed. The relatively strong performance of the standard sector led to an increase in the reserves position to 11 billion US dollars, equivalent to five months of imports, one of the highest on record. This compares well of a reserve position of 9.2 billion, equivalent to 4.3 months imports cover in the corresponding period last year. Mr. Speaker, we are managing the finances of the country with discipline and competence. Our interest rates are lower than they were in 2016. Our exchange rate 
is more stable than it was in 2016. Our foreign exchange reserves are much higher than they were in 2016. And we did not have to lay off any workers, nor cancel teacher and nursing training allowances. Furthermore, we did not go to the IMF for a bailout program. Neither have we built an interchange for the price of three. This is because we have managed the economy much better than it was managed after 2016. The finance minister also indicated that government was ready with a comprehensive program to create one million jobs for the youth in the next two and a half years. Despite the generally strong performance of our economy in recent decades, the issue of unemployment and jobs for our youth who constitute close to 71% of our population persists. This situation has been exacerbated by the pandemic, by the impact of this pandemic. Taking the lesson from our recent past, we are deliberately intervening to avoid a jobless economic growth and recovery. Mr. Speaker, at a strategic level, our comprehensive and holistic response to the employment and jobs issue remains anchored on the private sector. It is for this reason that government's recovery program transformation agenda is easing the constraints of the private sector to enable them to expand and provide jobs for the youth. The finance minister, Ken Oforieta, also indicated that the government, as part of efforts aimed at providing jobs for the youth, will launch um, the National Alternative Employment and Livelihoods Program for illegal small-scale miners whose activities were affected by the operations of Operation Halt. Mr. Speaker, the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources, in line with the President, has held a national dialogue followed by two regional dialogues on small-scale mining. Following this, several measures have been put in place to build a sustainable, viable, and responsible small-scale mining industry that protects the national environment. The Ministry will beef up the personnel and other logistics of the Inspectorate Division of the Minerals Commission to undertake strict monitoring and enforcement of our mining laws. Our lands, the Lands Commission, has commenced the process of regional education and sensitization on the New Land Act 2020, Act 1036. Efforts to protect forests and recover lost ones have included Green Ghana Project. We saw the planting of over 5 million trees on June 11, 2021, the Green Ghana Day. The outright ban on the harvesting and exportation of rose wood and the declaration of forest reserve in red zones for mining. Mr. Speaker, the Ministry also has a program for alternative employment and livelihoods, which will be rolled out soon. As part of these efforts, the program will be anchored on six main interventions, namely national land reclamation and reforestation, agriculture and agro-processing, apprenticeship skills, training and entrepreneurship, responsible, viable and sustainable community mining, mine support services and community enhancement projects. These initiatives will target mainly illegal miners displaced by the ongoing efforts to sanitize the mining industry. Government recognizes the need to protect the environment just as it finds it necessary to provide alternative employment and livelihoods for compatriots who will inevitably fall through the cracks. Speaker, initially this will be in the Ashanti, Eastern, Western, and Western North Central Region. We are determined to ensure responsible or sustainable exploitation of the lands and natural resources of our Turning his attention to health-related matters, on COVID-19, the finance minister said government would continue to fashion out a number of interventions to deal with the virus and its mitigating effects.
Ghana implemented the COVID-19 vaccination campaign as part of the containment strategy and has developed the National Deployment and Vaccination Plan. It is planned that 20 million Ghanaians will be vaccinated in order to achieve herd immunity. Mr. Speaker, we have upgraded our national, regional and district cold chain facilities to widen our access to vaccines like Pfizer and Moderna that require minus 70 degrees centigrade cold chains. This includes 16 ultra-low cold freezers, 58 units of ultra-low freezers, 50 normal refrigerators, 300 boxes to be filled with ice, 300 ice pack freezers, 10 cold chain vans, and 120 temperature monitoring devices. Government has also committed to providing seed funding of $25 million towards the development of the country's capacity to produce vaccines domestically. This will be achieved through the establishment of a national vaccine institute. The finance minister further indicated that the government's vision of constructing 111 hospitals, a project also known as Agenda 111, is on course as the first phase of as the first phase of the project, which entails the engagement of relevant consultants, has been completed for 88 of the hospitals. Mr. Speaker, on the 26th of April 2020, His Excellency the President, as part of his eighth address to the nation on government's efforts to combat the coronavirus pandemic, laid out an ambitious plan to tackle Ghana's health infrastructure deficit, store the country on the path of achieving economic and social transformation. This transformation project, now dubbed Agenda 111, will require the government constructs 101 standard district hospitals, six new regional hospitals, one regional hospital for the Western Region, rehabilitation of a Triaquanta hospital in the Western Region, constructing two new psychiatric hospitals, construction of a new Accra psychiatric hospital. The objective is to use the local teams comprising of Ghanaian consultants, project managers, and construction firms. It is envisaged that upon the successful completion of Agenda 111, Ghanaians across the country will experience a marked improvement in access to healthcare. Mr. Speaker, government and the project coordinating team have worked tirelessly on phase one, and I'm happy to report that pre-contract works have been completed for 88 sites for the district hospitals. Mr. Speaker, we expect to commence phase two construction three weeks from now, from 17th August 2021. Mr. Speaker, an important project such as Agenda 111 requires extensive preparation and due diligence. We are confident and happy with the level of detail and attention that has gone into the pre-contract works. You had the finance minister, Ken Oforiata. And the summary of what the minister said is that, well, he has appeared before the House and not asking for money or asking for tax, uh, new taxes to be introduced. And that is the theme of the budget, as in the mid-year budget review that he presented to the House. There's bound to be a debate based on the practice or precedent from the House. But that, even that became a debate on whether it should be a debate or just regular or normal comments to be passed by members of parliament. The minority though thinks that this is not a positive sign as the government would want us to have or believe. When we come back, we'll give you reactions from both the minority and majority side in parliament. And of course, we'll hear from you as well, the listeners, on what you make of the budget that was presented today. Stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Thank you.
Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. The Minister for Finance, Ken Ofriata, was before the House of Parliament today to deliver the media budget review. Reactions have been coming through. Akosia, please give us some. The Member of Parliament for Cape Coast North, Kweku Ricketts Hagan, believes that the media budget review only played on the minds of Ghanaians. He further claimed that there has not been any improvement, as the Finance Minister touted. This media review is don't get excited. Look, it's a, it's, a, it's a big gimmick, basically, because they know, obviously, if they come and tell you that, if they come and tell you that no taxes, you're going to get excited. If they tell you that no more, we're not going to carry any more money, you get excited. They said we stick with the same appropriation, you get excited. But ask yourself at the end, if you're not going to do all the things that you're saying, with the hardship that we're in, Recovering from COVID, where stimulus packages and a lot of monies are being invested to get us out of the situation we are in. How are you going to do it? If you claim all these things, you are not going to. Look at your debt levels. So what are you going to do? How are you going to? He's explained in detail that under the umbrella of the Ghana Cares Program, there are so many um, initiatives that are going to be rolled out for young people, for farmers. Under, uh, yeah. Or no money. That's the question I'm asking. With money? It's indicated that so far, for the first six months of the year, revenue is due over 28 billion so far, and they are sealing all the leakages in the public sector with, with this compliance tax program that they are going to introduce. Well, then again, look at the revision at where we will be in terms of revenue at the end of the year. It's only going to go up by an inch. We are still around the same 72 or 70, that figure that he mentioned. It's not as if the projections for revenue will go into 80 billion or even 90 billion. It's still going to stick around the same 70-something. What he's talking about doesn't make sense. And it's not, if you look at it in economic and finance terms, it's not, it's not, something is missing. So for you, this is much ado about nothing? It's much ado about nothing. It's, a, it's to get people excited. This will get you excited. Anybody who hears that, no more taxes, gets excited. They are playing on the minds of Ghanaians. They are belittling our intelligence. This is what this media review does. What about the plan to create one million jobs over the next two and a half years for young people, especially in the country? Listen, they've talked about this over and over and over and over for many years. And nothing has happened. And you ask yourself, all the money that they have borrowed, what have they used it for? Look, I have this, I showed this to somebody earlier on. This is, this is not coming from the NDC. This is coming from International Labour Organization. This is a graph of unemployment, youth unemployment from Ghana since Rawlinson's time. And you look at 2017 to date, look at the line. It's a straight line, basically telling you that all the investment that they have done in terms of creating jobs, the 1D1F, the 100,000 NAPCO absorption, the planting for food has not yielded any growth in terms of employment, especially for the youth it's been starting. So what again are they going to be doing? Nothing is basically happening. The money that, you know, graph no lie. I, was, I didn't draw this. International Labour Organization. 
they do this this, this, this. Okay. so this was this was published in june 2021 but there are figures from 20, uh, 2019 as has been indicated here yeah from 1990 yeah so that's what i'm telling you 21 is 2019 they we i have excluded or the the 2020 has been excluded because it's pandemic okay. and it will not give you a good picture that's that's, that's pre-pandemic level analysis yes. for a post yes. for an economy that is uh, rebounding uh, in, in the post-COVID uh, era. Well, uh, what is the post-COVID era? The post-COVID era is, is, is supposed to be the last six months. The last six months. Yeah. And the, I'm telling you what has happened. They started the planting for food. So this excludes the COVID. That's even more dangerous. It excludes the COVID period. Since they came in 2017, we have the food for, what is it called? Planting for food. We have 1D1F. We have the NAPCO where 100,000 people were, 100,000 people are supposed to have been absorbed. And we've not been able to grow, you know, in terms of employment. Take the 2020 year because it was pandemic. The 2021, we're only six months into it. What again are they going to be doing to create the jobs that they claim? So, so for you, um, this budget portends no hope for the Ghanaian? This budget is a gimmick. This budget is to, is to basically, is to get Ghanaians excited about nothing. This budget is getting Ghanaians excited about nothing because anytime you hear no more taxes, you're going to jump. Anytime you hear these guys don't want any more money from government, you're going to jump. But ask yourself, how are they going to pay for all the programs that they are talking about? They will tell you all sorts of things, but everything requires money to fund it. At the end of the day, they are going to be doing deals behind our backs. The kind of the cyanohydro things where they talk about this is a butter trade, it's not a loan. Because we are taking money from them to build bridges and things, and we give them bauxite. Those are the type of things that we do. You heard the Kweku Ricketts Hagen. He's member of parliament for Cape Coast South, rather. I inadvertently introduced him as MP for Cape Coast North, but he is uh, representing representing the people of Cape Coast South in parliament. Let's now hear from the NPP member of parliament for Inshiaiso, Stephen Amwa. First time in the history of this country. After a presentation such as this, minority could not whisper. They were shocked. I heard my brother, John Chinapo, honorable, saying that minimum wage had been increased by only 4% and that inflationary rate is about 8%. Ah, under NDC 2016, minimum wage was about 8 CDs. Inflationary rate was about 15.4%. I don't understand. They think we have forgotten. Now comparing nominal figures to, to percentage. But he, he did that. No, he said for the best pay is 4%. But, and, yes. And, and then the inflation the is 8%. For, for minimum wage. Yeah. yeah, and I'm saying that inflation at their time was 15%. Bigger than ours today. And then minimum wage was 8%. Minimum wage today is over 12%. So it is, I think it's fair comparison. We are better than them. Their inflation was higher. Their minimum wage was lower. Our inflation is lower. Our minimum wage is higher. So what are they talking about? This is the time that we have to applaud the MPP government. Why? The minister did not come in for money. He did not ask for any introduction of new taxes or increment of the existing ones. He didn't tag the expansionary fiscal policies. This is the time that the minister has demonstrated the fact that there is a package to complete, consolidate, and continue the good work. Because COVID-19, even the World Bank predicted negative 3.3 growth. 
under His Excellency Nanado Danko Ekufuado. We were able to grow this economy last year 0.4%, beyond even World Bank target. Look at what we are doing. The banking sector, things started going down by March 2020 because of the COVID. Even credit availability moved from about 14 or 12% to about six point, uh, about four point something March. But June is getting to seven. It means we are indeed restoring all the fiscal issues in our country. And you check this budget, they are talking about paying interest, making interest payments. I think they are deceiving the public, or they are good guys. Interest payments fall within the statutory arm of our budget expenditure. Well, your debt to GDP ratio is, is going up. Either why? The, the finance minister, so, so, okay, he, why, he accepted that. No, why is it going up? GDP is the function of one, productivity, two, labor force. Because of the COVID economy, Productivity was on hold uncontrollably. It's not a fault of any government. But you had the option to you had the option to you had the option to realign your options. You realign you the option. Me to explain no, no, let, me, let, let me ask the question. Let me ask the question. But let you ask one. I have to finish. Okay, finish. What I'm saying is that what you are saying is true. But what I'm saying is that GDP growth is a function of one productivity, two labor force. There was redundancy because of the COVID. Productivity was on hold. Trade activities was on hold. Industry activity was on hold. Revenue were not collected so uncontrollably through no fault of our government. GDP was not growing. But we needed money to spend. We couldn't let Ghanaians to die. So this is an outlier situation. NDC between 2008 and 2016, they increased our debt portfolio by about 1,140%. Go and calculate. Without any COVID situation. So what we are saying is that even if you read the PFM Act, Act um, 2016, Act 921, Section 18, it makes emphatic statement about situations such as this that we need to even suspend our fiscal policies and rules. It's in, it's in, it's in the law. And that was duly done last year. Exactly. So you cannot do comparison of what is happening today, even to those days. It means this government is doing so much work. Ghana has been rated as one of the best countries in the management of the COVID. I'm not saying we are perfect. I'm not saying there's no hardship. In any case, I there be any time in a period there is no hardship. This media budget has surprised the NDC. They are overwhelmed. They don't know what to say. They have kept mute and they are beating about the bush and raising parameters that they did worse, even when there was no budget. There was no uh, COVID. That was the Member of Parliament for Inshire, so Stephen Amwa. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios here. At Adabraka in Accra. Now, the ministers appear, deliver the budget, and the debate you've had there, the full debate will be happening in the chamber somewhere next week. But let's pick some thoughts on what the minister said, the hard figures, and the issues he put forth. Professor Peter Quarty is director of the Institute of Statistical, Social, and Economic Research at the University of Ghana. Now, Prof, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, you've had the minister make the submissions he made. Before we even look at the other analysis, is it strange, and again, is it problematic that he didn't ask for money and didn't increase taxes? That seems to be the theme. No, it's, it's not strange, um, because um, if based on circumstances, based on the economic conditions, uh, you could either ask for more money or um, stay put. Now, if you look at the revenue figures, realize there is some shortfall in terms of targets, uh, the targeted revenue um, 
was higher than, I think it was 32.4 billion cities. That is the target. And then the actual was 28.3 billion. So it tells you, certainly, there is some small shortfall in the above 5.9 billion that has not been realized. So if, if you can't spend what you don't have, if there's, you, don't, you have not raised enough revenue, especially in the first two quarters of the year, revenue doesn't come in as much as would have found, would have seen in the last two quarters of the year. So for me, it, I think it's appropriate. Also, based on the sentiment we are gathering um, from the business sector, with the new taxes that were introduced, you don't introduce additional taxes. So that, for me, tells you the minister is being sensitive to uh, the plight of Ghanaian, being sensitive to the plight of the business community, as well as being sensitive to the revenue uh, or the finances of the country. Now, the minority leader in reacting to the presentation essentially said that there isn't money to even spend. It sounds like what you've just said to us, which means that there is nothing in the coffers, so you cannot come to the house and ask for permission to spend it. Is that accurate, really? It's not accurate. There is no additional money. That's, that's the point you raise. There is money, but there's no additional. If you, the, the essence of a, a budget review or media review is that when you find it's budgeting. If you find new revenue, new sources of revenue, and that you think you can spend, then that is where you go and say, I want to spend. But if there hasn't been additional source of revenue, there's no point going to ask. You could have asked for more revenue to spend, but that will be uh, 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 not prudent, in my view, if, if he, uh, the minister had done so. But let's also bear in mind that the new taxes that were introduced actually kicked in in May. So you don't expect to see um, extra revenue, new revenue in this pandemic era. It might take a while for us to realize more revenue for the minister to ask for additional spending, if need be. So the revenue could have been generated through taxes. There is also the option of borrowing. That could have been put on the table. It wasn't. Is that share competence in managing the economy or you reckon the government is, for want of a better word, scared of bringing that item on the table? Um, I won't say scared, but I would say it would have been um, unusual for the minister to ask for additional uh, you know, um, options to go and borrow given that our debt GDP is about 77.1 or so, uh, already it is high. So why do you ask for more uh, um, you know, opportunities to go and borrow? I think at this point, it, it's better... Uh, if we're not in a pandemic, um, an austere budget would have been appropriate, given where we find ourselves. But in the pandemic, you don't do that. You spend. That is why um, it, it's not prudent to cut spending drastically. So you, you reduce the deficit to um, our our 5% threshold. It might take a while. And I think we ought to manage our expectations. Uh, as a Ghanaian, I expect a lot to happen. I expect my road to be fixed. I expect hospitals to be operating. Uh, but in a, a pandemic, if you are recovering from uh, a recession or a pandemic, it takes a while. It doesn't take just a year or six months. So we ought to be um, you know, modest with our expectations. We also ought to expect, we also expect government to be also be prudent with this spending. We want to see value for money spent.
spending. We we want to come to, to to block the loopholes so we get more revenue as well as minimize uh, waste or corruption. Now this status quo that has been presented by the minister is that positive for us? Hello, Prof. I, I, I yeah, hello. Yeah, so my, my question, maybe if you don't get me clearly, is that the presentation he made today suggests that we are on the same track as we were in March. There's no need to introduce any new thing to the members of parliament, which is what he did not do. And I'm asking if that trajectory, does it look good? I think we should. We should be excited by that because if you had come to introduce new taxes, that would have been disastrous. I mean, no matter, we have to pay. But uh, all the freebies we enjoyed um, in, in the midst of this pandemic has to be paid for. But at least they've managed to raise some revenue to pay for some of these expenditures. And, and if they are not asking for more taxes, that is fine. What we should do as Ghanaians to be more participatory, to be um, citizens and pay our taxes and ensure that uh, more revenue comes in for, for spending. Um, so I, I think, yes, I, I would say. I mean, and, and we've also seen some initiatives or programs and new jobs that are going to be created, uh, you know, the CARES program. And for me, I, I would want to, I would have loved to see where the money is going to come from. I want to see more of that, how it's going to be financed. Because the CARES program actually is going to be financed 70% from the private sector and 30% from government. I would have loved to see more details of that. I mean, how is this being fashioned now? What are we seeing? Are we seeing, is the private sector responding to the call? You know, things like that. I, I would have loved to see more of this as we uh, progress. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Prof. My pleasure. That's Professor Peter Quarty, Director of the Institute of uh, Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ISE, of the University of Ghana. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Akosia, please give us some of the reactions on WhatsApp. Some of your messages that have been coming through on WhatsApp and um, the first one is from Walanyo in Akwitia. He says, though there is hardship in the system, the question I ask myself is, if the best economy managers are finding it a little difficult to bring back the economy on track, if the NDC were to be in government, how would the state of the economy be? Um, Ni Ajayi in North Kanishi says, all the readings of the financial minister does not reflect in our pockets, can't reduce transport, transport fares or medical bills or put food on our tables. Daniel in Sandema says Ghanaians need to look for another alternative of making things better for themselves because these politicians have nothing good to offer us. The next one says Honorable Minister, for information, such simplified comparison doesn't put food on our table. Prices of commodities are skyrocketing, transport fares have been increased, while salaries are only up by 4%. Um, Zebila in the upper Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't get your name, but you're in Zebila in the Upper East region, and you're saying that, indeed, the MPP government is managing the economy much better than the Estwal Mahama administration because even amidst this global pandemic, they did not scrap the teacher and nurse trainings allowances. No new taxes were introduced, and the subsidy of fertilizer all year round was um, there as well. Habib Nakra says the finance minister... Um, doesn't buy Gakinki or Gari. Otherwise, he would know how hard the economy has become. Everything is skyrocketing now, including unemployment. 
um, Koshi says, we didn't vote for the president to lead a national harvest for a cathedral. We voted for him to solve our physical problems, not the spiritual ones. Um, Daniel Arthur in SCC Wajagbawe says, my only hope is that a youth's cry for jobs becomes a reality from this budget. Um, Sami in Nima says, what the finance minister did today is an insult on the intelligence of Ghanaians because you cannot be blowing money on luxurious airlines for the president's travels, um, private jets, you mean, for the president's travels, and then turn around to blame the economic situation of the country on COVID-19. Um, Nana Opoku in his swarm says, Kwame Nkrumah will remain the only visionary president ever to rule Ghana since he was the only president since independence who created more than 2 million jobs and is still creating permanent jobs, although he's not around. Um, Frankie Nadenta says, day in, day out, politicians continue to play with our intelligence when it comes to their interests. They are, um, when it comes to their interests, but when it comes to the well-being of the Ghanaians, they pretend to be against each other. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM Broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Dr. Reverend Dr. That is Cyril Fayosi is General Secretary of the Christian Council of Ghana. Reverend, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We've seen a statement you issued. You are supporting the bill that has been uh, brought, that controversial one, and um, mm -hmm. the promotion of proper human sexual rights and Ghanaian family values. What yeah. would be the crux of your argument, sir? The crux of our argument. We we um, thank you very much for the question. The we are not only supporting the bill, we are one of the initiators of the bill because we are part of the of the um, coalition that collaborated with members of parliament to push this bill through uh, to parliament. So um, we are in support of the bill. We are in support of the bill because uh, it supports our basic tenets and values and faith as Christians. We believe that marriage is for a man and a woman and homosexuality comes strongly against that. So anything that will promote marriage between male and female, we are all for it. That's why we support it. I see. Now, there are people who hold a view that this issue should be put to a referendum because we are seeking to legislate what happens in people's bedrooms. That should not be the business of parliaments or the courts or the church. What would be your response to that? I don't think anyone has said anything about what happens in the bedroom. We have stated very broadly that we support heterosexual relationships and alternate forms of relationship we are not in favor of. That's all we are saying. And that is all this bill is trying to clarify. 
because our laws as they stand. You know, our natural canal knowledge is uh, outlawed in our laws as it is now. But there are gaps in that law. So this new legislation is an attempt to close those gaps. But it's very clear to everyone what we mean by what we don't like. Which means people are free to do it in private, but it should not be done publicly. That's what you're against, correct? No. We are against the principle itself. We believe that the, the gay lobby, uh, the advocacy for homosexual relations itself stands directly in contradiction to what we believe as Christians. So that is what we are against. If someone Googles a story, for instance, the one I've just seen on the BBC that says Methodist Church allows same-sex marriage, and this was at a vote at a conference by the Methodist Church, the Methodist Church is Christian, and says to mm -hmm. you that you are Christian Council of Ghana, a church mm -hmm. has voted to support same-sex marriage. You're both reading the same Bible. How come you differ? What would, you, what would be your response? We differ because we have uh, our values are completely different. Let me let me say that the Methodist Church Ghana is a member of the Christian Council of Ghana, and the Methodist Church Ghana supports the position of the Christian Council of Ghana. In other words, the Methodist Church Ghana is against the position that is currently held by the Methodist Church. Did you say UK? Yes, it's UK. In the UK, yes. So the fact that the Methodist Church in the UK had reached that position does not mean that the, the, the Methodist churches around the world are independent. So that means we should also uh, reach the same understanding. Our reading of the scriptures at this point tells us that marriage is for male and female and it's for procreation and the maintenance of the species, the human species. So if you go against it, then you are, in a way, promoting the extinction of the human race. And these are things that we are fundamentally against. There's been debates on social and traditional media over this issue. Uh, since mm -hmm. it came to light. This bill, you are part of the sponsors, or at least you work behind the scenes to help produce mm -hmm. the bill. What would you say to Parliament, and by extension, the government headed by the President, what do you want to see as a church or the Christian Council? We will say that um, this bill takes the position of majority of us Ghanaians both Christian, Christian, Muslim, and even traditional religious persons. So majority of Ghanaians who are religious persons are against uh, uh, homosexual relations. So majority of us support proper human sexual relations and family values, which this bill is trying to promote. So that is all we are going to say. That uh, Mr. President, 
our legislature, this is what our people are saying. And we are going to tell our people to continue to the matter. And let us Rev, we seem to be losing. We seem to be losing you. I'm not sure. Are you in motion? Apologies, we lost the Reverend there. That's Reverend Doctor Cyril Fayosi, his General Secretary of the Christian Council of Ghana. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. From one council, let's move to another council, the General Legal Council. It has a disciplinary committee. That committee has uh, retained a verdict after listening to a chief who reported his lawyer to that council. He's a regulator of the legal profession in Ghana. Now, it appears that the lawyer named Kwesi Afrifa may be in trouble. He's been charged nine counts. Fred Tete Jabano is with us here in the city newsroom. He's been following that story. Fred, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, tell us what the Christian Council... General Legal Council, I beg your pardon, <laughs> has said about uh, Kwesi Afrifa. Yes, so Sandra, the General Legal Council says that after he had gone through a preliminary inquiry, it's um, found that there's a prima facie case against uh, the lawyer Kwesi Afrifa. And you recall that this particular case is in respect to an issue of about um, $5 million alleged bribery of the Chief Justice. Um, this was reported to the GLC by a chief called Ojidom Akwesi. Ojidom um, Akwesi Atta the Sith. Ojidom alleges that um, he dealt with lawyer Akwesi Efrifa mm -hmm. for some time and uh, he was helping him with a case in court. In the period in which they were dealing, there was an issue of ways and means to help Mr. Uh, Ojidom win the case. So he offered some amount of money to this lawyer to help him with the ways and means. The amount of money he offered to the lawyer was a hundred thousand US dollars. But then he says that after a while he realized that the lawyer was not doing what he was supposed to do. So he decided to reach out to somebody else and also take back the money from him. For several times, he tried to take the money. He was not able to get the money. He only got somewhere about $25,000. So he reported to the General Legal Council to help him retrieve the rest of the $75,000, which was supposed to be given to him out of the $100,000 given to the lawyer. In response to this allegation, lawyer FIFA also made some allegations and said that what the chief had reported to the General Legal Council was not true because he was there when the chief told him that someone, he went to see the chief justice and the chief justice said that he could help him win the case. He demanded a $5 million uh, to be paid to him and also remove him, the lawyer, from the case and bring in a new lawyer. So this is the summary of this particular case. So that's the background yes. to the so story. Now the after the case was reported mm -hmm. to the GLC, the GLC conducted a, a, a preliminary inquiry into the matter mm -hmm. and they found that um, there are some issues or cases or charges with the lawyer, which the lawyer has to face. And these charges are conduct. nine. Okay. These charges are nine. The first charge is that misconduct in the professional, in the professional respect, contrary to Rule 9111, of the legal profession professional conduct etiquette rules 
1969 as amended. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that particular rule, the rule says that it is the duty of a lawyer to maintain the honor and integrity of his profession and to expose without fear and favor before the proper tribunal unprofessional and dishonest conduct by any member of the profession and to accept without hesitation a retainer against any member of the profession who is alleged to have wronged his client. When you read the particulars of this particular charge, it says that that you have been informed of an alleged and ethical conduct in the office of the Chief Justice by your former client. The complaint herein failed to protect the sanctity and the integrity of the legal profession by failing to disclose the allegation of bribery against the Chief Justice of the Republic of Ghana to the Disciplinary Committee of the Judicial Council or any other statutory body for an inquiry. Basically, what the Disciplinary Committee is saying that he got to know of an alleged bribery against the Chief Justice. And didn't take and any action. the regulations, he needed to report this to the GLC or any other body, which he failed to. So he's been charged for not reporting this particular issue to the GLC. The second one had to do with misconduct in a professional respect, contrary to Rule 6.1 of the Legal Professional Act. And if you look at the particulars, it says that that you in a preliminary inquiry before the dis- Disciplinary Committee of the GLC voluntarily admitted that you failed to issue receipts to your former client for the payment of legal fees, thereby commit- committing a professional misconduct. Um, Sandra, let me read you what exactly the particular act says mm-hmm. in the GLC or the uh, in the act or the rules which governs lawyers. It says six one says every lawyer shall give every lawyer shall give a receipt for each and every payment made to him and shall specify therein the purpose for which such payment was made. So he didn't do this per according this charge, to the legal counsel. He didn't go through, he didn't okay. give receipts and okay. the rest. What other counts do There's you have? a charge for example, let's go to uh, count six. Mm-hmm. There are nine counts, mm-hmm. but count six. Count six says, and this is what it says, misconduct in a professional respect, contrary to Rule 52A of the Legal Profession Rules 2020. And these are the particulars. That you, in responding to a complaint against you brought by the former, your former client, made reckless statements suggesting judicial manipulation by the Chief Justice of the Republic, which you knew or ought to have known it was false. So this is regards to his response to the GLC when he was reported to the GLC. So he's been found to answer, he's, he's been made to answer questions for, um, according to the GLC, GLC, making false statements against the Chief so Justice. So now that he's been charged, he would appear and then possibly there will be a trial yeah, so of a now sort. he would have to appear before the GLC, the okay. Disciplinary Committee of the GLC, the processes, then they'll make a decision. And this is the same issue that has uh, led ASEPA to petition the president asking for the CJ to be removed. Exactly. This is the same issue, the issue of the 5 million... Uh, uh, ways and means. Yes, ways and means. Thank you so much, Fred Tetejabano. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM Broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. When we come back, um, Anita Kisimrik will be bringing you the latest in the world of business. Don't worry. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. It's now time for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It's brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Anita Kisimikula. Let's settle for the details. 
The government says it is rolling out a couple of measures, including interest rate subsidies and encouraging relevant research in order to modernize agriculture and its subsectors in the country. In recent times, fertilizer smuggling has become the order of the day as the Planting for Food and Jobs Secretariat reported that the country lost a whooping 120 million Ghana cities from unaccounted for fertilizer diversion of coupons and fertilizer smuggling in the 2017 and 2018 planting seasons alone. However, Finance Minister Ken Ofori in his mid-year budget presentation assured farmers that the Ghana Cares program will introduce digital technology to help sanitize the space. Mr. Speaker, Ghana Cares is providing catalytic support to drive efficiency and improve outputs in the agriculture sector by investing in data and digital technology. These technologies would revolutionize the targeting of inputs such as seed inputs, extension services, and acquisition of land for commercial farming. Additionally, the program will support the reform of the fertilizer subsidy system using digital technology to make it more efficient and less prone to smuggling. This will be achieved by registering farmers for improved targeting. The registration will provide information on farmers' biodata, crops cultivated, acreage, digital location of farms to track seed and fertilizer subsidy programs. By end February 2022, 1.2 million farmers will be registered. Mr. Speaker, to modernize our agriculture sector, we are investing in initiatives that would improve production and productivity in the rice, poultry, soya bean, tomato, and cassava subsectors this year. The recent engagement of all the value chain actors in these subsectors has sharpened the focus of investment in a holistic manner. Finance Minister Ken Ofori Atta. Now the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Chamber of Construction Industry, Emmanuel Cherry, has expressed his disappointments with plans for the construction sector of the economy in the just-read media budgets review. He argues the failure of the finance minister to make mention of a board for road funds which will lead to the payments of contractors for work they have done in the past as well as the lack of clarity for the involvement of local contractors in government's Agenda 111 projects is disappointing. The Agenda 111 projects will focus on the construction of 101 standard district hospitals with accommodation for doctors and nurses six new regional hospitals in the six new regions, one regional hospital for the Western Region, rehabilitation of Ifyankwata Hospital, among other projects. Imano Cherry spoke to City Business News. Commentments in that quest, but the issue before us is how clear and how transparent is the process. Because as we speak now, as industry players, take key stakeholders, we don't know how, what is exactly happening in that sector. What is in going in there? Even though they said phase one has been done, phase two is here too, but we are not involved, we are not being carried along. The road and the building contractors are there. Nobody has called on them. Before we realize they said the award has been done, the contract has been awarded to who? We don't know. Some of them we see or we hear in the air with that they are selling this contract 10%, 8% and thereabouts. What is happening to us as a country? Let's face facts. To be honest with you, that agenda 1111, it's supposed to be a game changer, but the way it's being handled is being a hardy collector, shrouded in secrecy. There's no clarity in there to confess. The president must come again and look into that. Those who are in charge of that particular agenda, one, 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 they must sanction them and then they come and give a hardy collector certain clarity to those particular uh, jobs as we talk now. 
because we don't know exactly what is happening as industry players, especially the contractors who are to, to, to uh, execute those particular jobs. Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Chamber of Construction Industry, Emmanuel Cherry, speaking there. Meanwhile, the second vice president of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Stefan Mizan, says he was not impressed with the presentation of the 2021 mid-year budget. According to him, Finance Minister could not give clearer achievements in the oil and gas industry, which is now a key sector of the Ghanaian economy. In an interview with City Business News, Stefan Mizan said he was expecting to hear the Finance Minister speak about the success of the petroleum sector based on the targets set by the local content on job creation and the wastage in the industry. Luckily for me, being the second uh, vice president of the Chamber of Commerce and also from the Western region, I was expecting the, um, the finance minister to speak a lot on the oil and gas, for at least for my benefit and the region where I come from. Uh, there isn't so much. I know that uh, with the local content, for instance, the certain benchmarks uh, would have wanted to know what levels of achievement that we have gotten to with all those various sectors. Uh, notwithstanding, I'm sure that those details will come and then with more research, we can improve on the achievements in, the, in that sector. That was the second vice president of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Stefan Mizan. Now, away from the budget, the Minister for Energy, Dr. Matthew Poku Prempe, has charged the board and management of the Volta River Authority, VRA, to be innovative in its operations and take advantage of the enormous power export opportunities that come with the location of the AFTER secretariats in the country. The African Continental Free Trade Area, which commenced on January 1st this year, consolidates a market of $1.2 billion and a combined GDP of $2.5 trillion. Delivering the keynote address as a ceremony organized by the VRA to unveil busts in order of three of its former chief executives, Dr. Matthew Poku Prempe urged them to do more by scaling up power transmission services to neighboring West African countries for foreign exchange. The attainment of 60 years of life is worth celebrating. I am very, very pleased that the chief executive has recognized to honor former chief executives. It is rather unfortunate that some of them are no longer with us. Currently, Ghana hosts what we call the African Free Trade Agreement. But this also brings enormous opportunities to industry. VRA is at the position to enormously increase its generation potential for generation to even export to these countries and make more money. Minister for Energy, Dr. Matthew Opoku Prempe. That will be all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was sponsored by Vodafone, Together We Can, and powered by your most comprehensive business news websites, citybusinessnews.com. I am Anissa Kisimiku. Up next is Point Blank.
It's 22 minutes to 1900 GMT. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank, I will take you back to Parliament. The Minister for Finance, Ken of Riata, was uh, before the members of Parliament to make a submission to the mid-year budget review. No taxes. There was no request for more money to be spent. Let's listen to highlights of what he told Ghanaian legislators. The first question is that the coronavirus crisis in Ghana in March 2020. And on the government of President Anadu Danko Akufa to recognize the dark consequences that it will have on our economy, particularly on jobs and on our ability to raise revenues to meet both the cost of managing the pandemic and government's regular spending obligations. If I may quote from the President's address on 27 March 2020, where he underlined the challenge and the approach. Should the virus continue to linger for the rest of the year, the effects on our economy will be there. However, as we have demonstrated over the course of the last three years, where we inherited an economy that was growing at 3.4% and transformed it into one which has grown by an average of 7% over the last three years. I assure you that we know what to do to bring back our economy to life, but we do not know how to do is to bring back to life. We will therefore protect people's lives then their livelihoods. Mr. Speaker, therefore, the hardship that COVID-19 pandemic visited on people's lives, the stress on parents, the frustration of young people, the negative impact on businesses for both employers and employees, the worsening of the unemployment situation, the effect on the public debt, and the stress on revenue mobilization was unprecedented, but expected. Indeed, no country in the world had prepared for the crisis that unfolded. That is why leadership was therefore assessed by the measures that individual countries and their respective leaders took to deal with the crisis. Here in Ghana, we took responsible, innovative, decisive, and bold actions to tackle the crisis. That is why a year ago on Thursday, 23rd July 2020, I came before this house to present what I called an extraordinary media fiscal policy review of the 2020 budget statement and economic policy and secured more funds to provide an immediate and appropriate response to the severe economic impact of the pandemic. In addition, the 2021 expenditure in advance of appropriation presented to this House on 28th October 2020 saw to the uninterrupted delivery of government business in the first quarter of this year and the ongoing implementation of the 2021 budget and economic policy of Friday, 12 March, is driving and the revitalization of the economy in line with our theme of completion, consolidation, and continuity. With these approvals, we intervened with timely measures to help, particularly households, schools, hospitals, and businesses, withstand the impact of the pandemic. Government provided direct transfers to households through food distribution and absorption of water and electricity bills, tax waivers to frontline health workers, and stimulus packages to small and medium-scale enterprises 
were also provided. Mr. Speaker, these interventions stabilized the situation, protected lives, supported businesses, and preserved jobs, which would otherwise have been lost. In fact, although the workload from the public sector had to be reduced in many cases, all through the COVID crisis, government has never once embarked on any program of laying off workers. Rather, we have continued to pay all workers even and even proceeded to employ more in some critical areas such as security and health services. Mr. Speaker, let me use this opportunity to thank organized labor and employers for their role in concluding wage negotiations with government in May. The negotiations were marked by a shared understanding of the state of the economy, that we as a nation cannot share what we do not have, a collective will to improve productivity, raise more revenue, and ensure decent wages in the years to come. Mr. Speaker, as a result of our competent management of the crisis situation, Ghana economy has outperformed its peers, recovering faster. After recording negative growth in the second and third quarters of 2020, the economy rebounded strongly in the last quarter of the year, continuing well into the first quarter of 2021. The Ghana Subscribe Service reports the overall GDP growth for first quarter 2021 was 3.1%. The growth was even better, excluding oil at 4.6%. The Bank of Ghana Composite Index of Economic Activity attested a strong growth recovery with the index growing at 33.1% at the end of May 2021, compared to a contraction of 10.23% at the end of May 2020. Mr. Speaker, on inflation, we are witnessing one of the lowest numbers on record in about two years. Inflation, which at the height of the pandemic, hovered around 11.8%, dropped to 7.5% in May 2021, before inching up slightly to 7.8% in June. The Bank of Ghana will continue to implement appropriate monetary policy to maintain inflation rate within the target of 8 plus or minus 2%. The city has been relatively stable in the past four years and maintained its stability even in this pandemic year. For the first time, for the first time in the Fourth Republic, the exchange rate did not see a spike after an election year. Cumulatively, from the beginning of the year to date, the exchange rate has depreciated by 0.6% against the US dollar and appreciating by 3.6% against the euro. This stability is expected to continue as we move towards the close of the year. The relatively strong performance of the standard sector led to an increase in the reserves position to 11 billion US dollars, equivalent to five months of imports, one of the highest on record. This compares well of a reserve position of 4.8 of 9.2 billion equivalent to 4.3 months imports cover in the corresponding period last year. Mr. Speaker, we are managing the finances of the country with discipline and competence. The fiscal operations for the period January to June 2021 indicate that the overall deficit was 22.32 billion Ghana cities, equivalent to 5.1% of GDP, the corresponding primary balance for the period was a deficit of 7.3 billion CDs, equivalent to 1.7% of GDP, against a target 
of 4.8 billion Ghana cities, or 1.1% of GDP. We will continue to pursue our fiscal consolidation agenda to ensure that we remain within the appropriation given by this August House. Mr. Speaker, I would like to note that notwithstanding our elevated debt levels as a result of COVID-19, our inflation rate is lower than it was in 2016. Our interest rates are lower than they were in 2016. Our exchange rate is more stable than it was in 2016. Our foreign exchange reserves are much higher than they were in 2016. And we did not have to lay off any workers, nor cancel teacher and nursing training allowances. Furthermore, we did not go to the IMF for a bailout program, neither have we built an in neither have we built an interchange for the price of three. This is because we have managed the economy much better than it was managed up to 2016. Let us, Mr. Speaker, not forget this. On the back of these and other deliberate policies, our country has attracted more foreign direct investment in the midst of the pandemic. As of end June 2021, total FDI to the country was valued at 954.2 million, indicating an increase of 71.2% from US 557.2 million recorded over the same period last year. Mr. Speaker, the strong rebounding growth, the low inflation rates, the stable currency, the strong reserve position and FDI flows are clear indicators of an economy in recovery. Indeed, the strategic investments we collectively made in building strong economic fundamentals in the three years prior to this pandemic, as well as the subsequent speed, scope and scale of our socio-economic response to the pandemic is fueling our recovery. Mr. Speaker, I stand before this August House today to assure the nation that our transformation agenda is very much on course. However, with COVID-19 still with us, it is important to stress that the recovery is only the beginning, a beginning that requires our collective sense of responsibility and action as citizens to guide, protect, and participate in the recovery efforts. Mr. Speaker, this media fiscal policy review that I'm presenting does not come with a supplementary budget. And our revised fiscal framework for 2021 is kept within the fiscal target of 9.5% of GDP. We are staying within the 2021 appropriation. <laughs> Respectful Mr. Speaker, let me repeat. I'm not here today to ask for more money I have not come. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, I am not here today to ask for more money. I have not come. I have not come to ask for more taxes. I have come to update the House on the performance of the economy for the first half year of 2021 and our plans for the unexpired term of the year consistent with Section 28 of the PFM Act. One of the serious impacts, Mr. Speaker, of the COVID-19 pandemic has been the loss of jobs, which has exacerbated the unemployment problem. 
particularly among the youth. As such, government is ready with a comprehensive program to tackle this intractable problem. The goal is to create employment opportunities for a million of our young people over the next two and a half years by igniting, Mr. Speaker, a high spirit of entrepreneurship. We will count on the support of this August House for this. Our focus on taxes is to collect what is due the Republic. To this end, we are building a robust framework to expand the domestic revenue mobilization to focus on compliance and enforcement nationwide. We have established, Mr. Speaker, the Revenue Assurance and Compliance Enforcement, RACE, RACE. The remit of RACE, Mr. Speaker, is to identify and eliminate revenue leakages in areas such as petroleum bunkering, gold and minerals exports, port operations, transit goods, warehousing, border controls, and free zones operations, to name but a few. Mr. Speaker, over the course of this year, like many of my colleagues in government and in this House, I have traveled around the country, engaged with the people, especially young people. We have listened to them and heard their concerns. Eight weeks ago, Mr. Speaker, I visited Tamale and Sunyane and interacted with thousands of young people. Also visited Chebi and Chiapiasi. <laughs> drawn from various universities and tertiary institutions as part of the Springboard Foundation program. I also participated in both their Class Springboard and NUC's annual leadership training programs. These interventions, Mr. Speaker, provided me with yet another opportunity to experience at first hand the expectations and aspirations of our young people. Our responsibility as government is to accelerate our response. In connection with that, I have had extensive discussions with my colleague Ministers of Employment and Labor Relations, Youth and Sports, and Lands and Natural Resources. New programs will be introduced and existing ones scaled up and refocused to meet the aspirations of our youth. We will work together to sensitize and connect the youth to the numerous opportunities being made available by government, including a strategy to create jobs and business opportunities for one million Ghanaian youth by 2024. So far, we've developed five new programs, including an exciting U-Bank program. Mr. Speaker, the good people of Ghana have given us another four-year mandate to manage the country, mitigate the impact of COVID-19, and pursue our transformation agenda of ethics and prosperity for all, we are in the seventh month of the journey and executing the mandate with diligence, integrity, and faith, and we are determined to overcome the challenges that confront our nation. Let us join hands to build a more inclusive, confident, and hopeful society. COVID-19 has caused enough havoc, but we are resilient and confident people and should not allow ourselves to be defeated by the negatives. As 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us that God has not given us, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. We should have courage, Mr. Speaker, hope, and resolve to work hard and expect that the Almighty God, whom most of us believe and serve, will look kindly on us and bless the work of our hands.
Mr. Speaker, the loss of human capital as a result of COVID-19 continues to be devastating. The reported steady decline in weekly average infections, which stood at 379 by the week of 5th March 2021, was sustained to 60 cases by the week of 20th June 2021. Since then, however, the detection and spread of the Delta variant was largely driven up, has largely driven up reports. As of 25th July 2021, overall COVID-19 infections since the first confirmed case on 12 March 2021 has reached 103,019. There are currently 4,983 active cases, 97,213 recoveries against all against all efforts, 823 persons have died due to COVID-19 over the same period. Mr. Speaker, improving regional and global supply chains and rising demands led to total exports reaching 2.5 billion in the first two months of 2021. By June, this has significantly increased to 7.6 billion. In, in addition, the COVID-19-related regulatory reliefs and policy measures introduced by the Bank of Ghana continue to promote bank lending activities. From the beginning of the year to June 2021, new advances reached 16 billion, marginally above the advances of 15.8 billion during the same period in 2020. It is expected that as economic activities rebound and lending rates drop further, private sector credit will pick up. Mr. Speaker, proactive and pragmatic policies have ensured that the tourism and hospitality industry, which had perhaps endured its most difficult year in 2020, is on a rebound. Tourist arrivals in the country as at the end of 2020 was about 370,000, as against a revised target of 400,000 for 2020. With the reopening of the Kutka International Airport in September 2020, arrivals at the end of the second quarter of 2021 were 231,000, representing 65% of the full year arrivals in 2020. Mr. Speaker, there are also other positive trends for this, as digital technology is assuming a more significant role in the operations of businesses. Almost 9 out of 10 firms are now leveraging digital platforms to market their products. Similarly, mobile money door-to-door -door delivery by courier services and internet usage for business operations also increased by 77%. Mr. Speaker, the pandemic further strengthened our efforts to tackle discrimination and inequality against women since the sectors hard hit by the crisis like tourism, hospitality, and small-scale retailing employ a large number of women. It is important to note that Ghana was one of the one of the last, the few countries in the world that devised a plan to ensure that the impact of the pandemic on MSMEs will be minimized. Through the Ghana Enterprise Agency, formerly National Board for Small Scale and Industries, a number of programs were implemented to minimize the impact of the pandemic and also to support in the realization of the government vision of diversity, inclusivity, and job creation. Under the Ghana CD 600 million coronavirus alleviation program business support, a total of 520 million Ghana CDs have been dispersed to over 299,000 
MSME beneficiaries between May 2020 and June 2021. For the 290,000 beneficiaries who benefited under the Coronavirus Program Business Support Scheme, CAPBAS, 60% of the beneficiaries were women-owned businesses or MSMEs. You are listening, you are listening there to the Minister for Finance, Ken of Riata, presenting the media budget review to Parliament. Let the conversation continue on social media. Use the hashtag City News. Thank you for listening to Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amado. Production by Zoe Abubeidu Ado. With support from Sami Wiafe. Technical support from Desmond Nyako. Stay with us. City News. We speak first.